0: I'm um, Alex and welcome back to a and Productions. Welcome to episode two of season three. We're going to have a few things in store for you today. We're going to get into the college football topics that are going on this week. We have the national championship, some very, very interesting coaching situations. Then after that, we have four players to watch out for in the NFL wild card round. Alex is going to present two to you. I'm going to say two as well. And then lastly, we're going to play a little bit of hypothetical and play a little bit of devil's advocate where we're going to talk about some Lamar Jackson and and Baltimore Ravens, not exactly praise, but perhaps a little bit of hypothetical doubt. See what might happen um, and maybe predict some of the Ravens shortcomings, although a lot of people are saying they are the best team in football. We're going to talk a little bit about how we think there are some shortcomings on this team. We're
1: going to bring up the curtain of the past and we're going to we're going to explore the Ravens.
0: That's right. Without further ado, though, we're going to get into topic number one, and that is college football. And firstly, we're going to be talking about the national championship. Now, first of all, I say it reluctantly as a Michigan State fan, but congratulations, University of Michigan. The Wolverines won the national championship, and very, very convincingly, they won 34 to 13. And throughout this game, it honestly just looked like Michigan had the superior athletes on the offensive and defensive line, um, especially especially just in the run game. They pounded the rock unbelievably well in the first half on offense. It, it looked like varsity versus JV, to be completely honest with you. Um, and then in the second half, their their athleticism really was displayed well on the back end of their defense. Their defensive backs almost completely shut down Michael Penix and his three elite wide receivers. Um, so, f- I mean, Alex, this Pretty much just looked like domination on part of Michigan. What do you have to say about this game?
1: Yeah, it was domination is the right word to use for it. And to be honest, there is a huge physical discrepancy. Uh, Michigan brought the physicality, and that's why they were able to establish a run. And that's why they were able to put a pressure on Penix and why Penix was never able to feel comfortable in that game. You know, Penix is hyped up to be, you know, a bona fide top 10 pick after this his stock had to be questioned because, you know, Michigan, they have a lot of NFL ready guys when it comes to the NFL physicality. And then, you know, they absolutely showed that. And Penick struggled with it. And, you know, Washington, they really couldn't get their feet in and they really couldn't fight back. It, they, they were in it for the beginning of the game, but, you know, towards the end, Michigan just showed levels. And they shattered a strong 21 win streak by Washington mm-hmm. and cemented themselves as college football champions.
0: For sure. And, you know, we'll see how this affects Penix's draft stock, but this definitely didn't look good on Washington's part. But then again, you just have to give credit to Michigan. They showed up and, I mean, they just looked like the superior team and they won that game very convincingly. Um, This is a really good thing for their head coach, Jim Harbaugh, who pretty much now has been able to cement his legacy completely as a college football coach, and he's going to be able to move on to the NFL. Um, He won with a Big Ten team. He was able to overcome a major SEC team, uh, as in Alabama, and they had Nick Saban still as the coach. So there's not much more you can ask for from a head coach in college football, and that is why we're going to see him move on to the NFL most likely. There's going to be a lot, a lot of teams vying for his uh, for his head coaching spot. There's a few uh, candidates that we were kind of standing out to us. Uh, Alex, what do you think? What do you think is the best fit for Jim Harbaugh at this point?
1: Oh. Jim Harbaugh is a special coach, in the idea that he, he he's going to have a lot of teams seeking after him. Mm-hmm. And one one potential link up I see that I see that's possible is if the Dallas Cowboys get sick of Mike McCarthy and Mike McCarthy potentially loses um, this wild card game or a divisional game in, in bad in a bad fashion in a bad manner, okay. you could potentially see a big market team like Dallas seek after Harbaugh. And Harbaugh's a big-time coach. He's just coming off of a national championship win. You know, he's, he's, he's at a very high spot right now. And what a better team to go to Dallas. There's going to be the market. There's going to be the money. There's going to be the lights. There's going to be the well-established team. They have a very good secondary, very good defense overall, and they have the star names and a good quarterback. I think, I think with a quarterback whisper like Harbaugh, he's a guy who can take them to the next level. And if he's given that opportunity by Dallas – I, 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 it's it's hard to believe he won't take it.
0: Mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's pretty much in Dallas's brand at this point. As long as Jerry Jones is going to be the owner there, he's going to be aggressive. He's oh, yeah. going to go. He's going to go get Harbaugh. I mean, there's there's not a man almost more perfect for the job. I mean, he is a man of character. He does not care what anybody else thinks. He's not afraid to have a big ego and let it show. He's big um, time, which is not you know what makes him very polarizing, which would honestly be perfect for him as a a Cowboys head coach. But another place where I see Jim Harbaugh almost fitting perfectly is uh, in LA uh, with the Chargers. And that's because, as you were just saying, he's a quarterback whisperer. He's done it with, in the past, with Colin Kaepernick. He did it this year with J.J. McCarthy. And he's going to do it with Justin Herbert if he's given the opportunity. Uh, Justin, uh, we were talking about this earlier, Alex, but Justin's a little bit more quiet, a little bit. He's a little bit more. He's Southern California. He's chill. He's a great player, but he's not going to be the face of your franchise. He isn't as dominant as a figure as a Josh Allen or Patrick Holmes, although he's still an elite quarterback. So to have a star head coach, especially in LA where the lights are are shining, the spotlight's always going to be on you. I think I could totally see... Jim Harbaugh come into, you know, come into the Chargers job and actually give this team some meaning and some culture because where they really lacked was seemed like the the heart to fight. They have all the talent in the world, even on, you know, not just on offense with Keenan Allen, Austin Eckler, you know, they have, they still have a Bosa brother on defense. They still have (laughs) Derwin James. They still have Khalil Mack. I mean, this team could have been competitive in the AFC, but they didn't have the motivation or fight. And I think Jim Harbaugh can get that out of these guys.
1: Absolutely. And what uh, they, they need a polarizing figure to kind of go with uh, Harbaugh, or I mean, to kind of go with So They need a Harbaugh. You know, uh, the Chargers moved from San Diego to L.A. And, uh, and they have not been able to get the limelight from the Rams, who have been the more successful team in L.A. And they have not been able to get a lot of the fans behind them. You know, you see a Chargers fan celebrating in the stands and then it becomes a <laughs> whole meme because it's the only Chargers fan doing that. All so, you know, want. this this is this is a way to get eyes on the Chargers. And that is something that the Chargers need. They need to draw eyes. He's a perfect polarizing figure. If he's on the market, they need to push all their chips forward for him.
0: I agree. And we identified the last spot as a little bit of a different one. This is a bit of a different situation because... Um, this team is not really in a winning situation, but you could see Harbaugh taking over, and I believe that the, the new ownership in this place could possibly seek him out, and that is the Washington Commanders. Now, an explanation, the Commanders do not have a star quarterback. They do not have a star roster. However, I mean, they do have new ownership, and I think aggressive ownership that would like to capitalize on a Jim Harbaugh, and I think he could come here completely just pretty much take the reins, this would be the only situation where I feel like he'd be pretty much given the power to do anything. It's, it's his team now. He'd probably be able to make the shots on who to draft, who to you know sign in free agency. They would give him the keys to the entire franchise right then and there because of how you know, how mediocre this Washington team has been in the past decade or so. I think they would pretty much just let Jim Harbaugh take the money, take the franchise. It's all yours. And I think that he would like that. To be honest with you, he'd be able to craft and a team to his liking, and it could be a really interesting situation.
1: And honestly, if you do look at the Michigan route that Harbaugh took going there in his career, he took a route that needed time and needed patience in order to get to a successful place like winning the national championship. The Commanders, they have all the time and the patience in the world. They're not going to be good anytime soon. Mm-hmm. So you know, they're, they're gonna. He's going to have that same patience, and he's going to have those. 2 to 3 years where he can just kind of reload and kind of sharpen his tools, you know, get 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 the depth right, get the stars right, work on the special teams, work on anything he pleases before they're even going to ask a question about whether he should be there. He has a long time to work with a team like that and that is a real starter up. But if there's somebody who can do it, it's Harbaugh. He's got he's brought teams to Super Bowls, he's brought teams to national championships and he sure as hell can do it with the Commanders. You just got to the, give them a lot of time with a team like that, though.
0: I agree. <laughs> now, talking about legendary college football coaches, one's career came to an end, and that is Nick Saban. He made the decision to step down as Alabama head coach and retire, what seems like for good. And that might be it for the Tide Dynasty, but put the brakes on that. Washington head coach was recently hired today, Kalen DeBoer, Was also being looked at for a lot of NFL jobs. This could be very interesting, Alex. I mean, Alabama might lose some recruiting in the South before, you know, as Saban steps down because he's such a larger-than-life figure. But I don't think people know or realize how good Kalen DeBoer is. What do you think this means for Alabama? And, you know, where do you think you see this going?
1: I think a good aspect of... I think a good aspect of that signing is the fact that you can get a lot of transfer... A, a lot of transfers from Washington. You know, a big concern would be a lot of people coming out of Alabama as soon as the Saban era ends. But a successful team like Washington, who made the national championship, they're going to have a lot of good depth that's going to be able to come over potentially because the transfer portal is essentially free agency now. You know, at this point, you can right. go, you go here, or there in Timbuktu, man. So, you know, it's, it's not, it's not going to be difficult at all for that transition to happen. And you're bringing along a lot of successful college football players who already made it deep into the playoffs this year. So I think, I think it's a good choice on the aspect or, or I think it's a good choice on personnel alone. And then you, and then you can see what there is to offer coaching wise too. And also that was a good Washington team that he led that team went that we, that team is 21 and one in their last 22 games.
0: Mm-hmm. All right. Well, that about wraps up our college football topic. Let's get into our next one. That is going to be four players <laughs> to watch out for in Wild Card weekend. Um, this is gonna be an exciting one. Uh, I, I think there's gonna be a lot of lot of I mean, this is the time when as an NFL fan, you're pretty much spoiled. You have games on Saturday, Sunday, oh, yeah. you got a Monday night game, and there's so many there's so many different storylines to watch, but we want to focus on some players. Um, Alex, do you wanna get us started? Who is your first player that we should be keeping our eyes on?
1: Yeah, man. Listen, when you're when you're tuned into your TV, feet kicked up, going to have a good time. I'm gonna give you some players to think about while you're watching the game unfold. Jaden Reed is a rookie wide receiver for the Green Bay Packers and he has 700 yards and a, quite a few touchdowns. Um, he he has eight receiving touchdowns this year and he has 12.4 yards per reception. He's a very explosive player who tends to find the end zone a lot of the times when he touches when you touch the ball. And he's going against a very experienced Cowboys defense. I don't want to call them veterans because you know they're not—they're not old. They're not old NFL players. Often, veteran like the term "veteran" in the NFL is associated with somebody who's kind of passed it. This Cowboys defense is in their prime. This is the best we've seen their secondary in quite some time. They have been holding it up in recent years, and you have a young Packers receiving core led by Jaden Reed, who's been the healthiest of them all and been the most consistent of them all. I'd like to see that battle between him and the offense against the against the defense of the Cowboys. And I think there's a lot of interesting schemes that Matt LaFleur can put up to get Jaden Reed in these open positions. He might ball out, keep an eye on him.
0: I mean, I 100% agree with that. I've been watching Jalen Reed since his days at Michigan State. And let me tell you, he is explosive. But the one thing I will say to disagree with you, I think if he's not matched up on Trayvon Diggs and he gets matched up with rookie cornerback, rookie Deron Bland, he will torch him. I'll tell you right now, Jaden Reed will torch him. Jaden Reed will take him. So if that's the matchup. He might torch Diggs too. Yeah, he might torch Diggs too. So look, I I don't disagree. The Cowboys' pass defense is formidable, but a lot of that does fall on, you know, the front seven of the Cowboys. And I think if you give Jaden Reed just a few one-on-one matchups, just watch America. He will burn the Cowboys. Now, speaking of wide receivers and rookie wide receivers at that, the main man himself, Offensive Rookie of the Year, None other than Puka Nakua. Now, this Detroit defense, very, very questionable on the back end. So I really have I really have some doubt in my mind that they'll be able to keep up with Cooper Cup and Puka Nakua. And I could expect him to go for six or seven receptions or more possibly. Um, I also expect that Kyron Williams is also going to run the ball a fair amount. So I think this Detroit defense is going to have to play uh, play the run just a little bit, going to have to at least respect it. And that's when Stafford and this Rams offense is going to be able to utilize Puka Nakua downfield. And I think that's when he's going to be very, very dangerous. What to you, Alex?
1: Yeah, as you mentioned, Miles, this is a weak Detroit Lions defense. Um, this team is known for their... Gritty, their gritty run offense and their defense. As much as their offense has found their own this season, their defense has not. And one one aspect about the defense that struggles is their secondary. And the issue with their secondary is that they they have they have a bunch of they have a, a pretty slow secondary. And and a few seasons ago, this was ranked the thirty second secondary in NFL, thirty second ranked secondary in NFL. Now now it's it's slightly improved, but against. You know, schemey Sean McVay and all those talented wide receivers like Buka Nakua, this is going to be trouble for him.
0: Yeah, I agree. Now, moving on to the next player, Alex, who do you think that we should be watching out for?
1: Now, I'm going to go to the same game, go to the go to the same side of the ball, but I'm going to go on the Rams uh, or I'm going to go on the Lions and i'm going to go on the lions offense we're going to look at jared goff this is going to be his homecoming game against the play against in the playoffs against a team that he went to the super bowl with and was drafted number 1 against first of all i'm already selling you on the storyline we haven't even gotten into the individual playing aspects of this but there's a storyline here and i've only mentioned half of the storyline you also have another number 1 overall pick in matthew stafford who's on the same who's who's on the the opposite team in, in the Rams, and he was drafted to the Lions. So you're getting two former number one overall quarterbacks who are going at it uh, against their former teams. And, oh, by the way, they were both traded for each other. And Jared Goff, uh, he's the in the higher seed team that's been more successful, and they got two first-round picks uh, with him uh, for, for um, Matthew Stafford. So there's a lot on the line for both these gentlemen and for – not not only including you know getting out of the playoffs and, and who wants to advance the next round. This is also big for defining the legacy of the trade. You know this is a historic blockbuster trade in which the Lions have had a successful rebuild, and the Rams have had a successful have had a successful Super Bowl run. So this is going to be big in the sense. Uh, Jared Goff's performance against a uh, against a um, a. Rams defense that isn't the same as it once can kind of signify that the Lions can maybe be seen as the winners of this trade and honestly move on. So this is huge for legacy, huge, huge, huge for legacy, huge for moving on. And it's an interesting and compelling matchup. The storyline alone should sell you. And Mm. by the way, Jared Goff's been a baller this season, over 30 touchdowns. He's kept the ball pretty clean, and he's in a gritty Dan Campbell run-first offense, and he's doing dang good as a quarterback. He,
0: he'll look. You know, the Detroit <clears> Lions, <throat> to put it in perspective, two years ago, they were 3-13, and 13, and now they're in the playoffs, and they won the division for the first time in 30 years. Now, to win the trade right here now, I mean, look, the Rams already won a Super Bowl, but the Lions aren't looking to win a Super Bowl. They're just looking for respect. They're looking for consistency, and they're looking for stability. So honestly, I'd say most Lions fans would say they win the trade. If they can win a playoff game right here, they would be happy with what they got. They would be completely satisfied. Now, as much as people can say, you know, the Rams got a Super Bowl, the Rams, whatever, Matthew Stafford. Look, I can speak, you know, from, from you know, one Dying franchise to another, you know, <laughs> one, you know, very, very, uh, in in recent in recent at least, very, very unsuccessful franchise. I I can say I can say, look, if you, when you win that when you win that playoff game, there's nothing like it. And I think Detroit is a type of city where they just rally around their football team, and they're just gonna be so unbelievably happy if they can win this game that it doesn't matter. It'll be like their Super Bowl. So, um, yeah, that'll be something to watch. Jared Goff will be a hero of motown if he can pull this game off. Oh yeah. Now, now I'm going to flip it over to the defensive side of the ball. We were talking about the Packers and Cowboys matchup earlier. I think the key to this game and the key to cementing a perhaps all-time legacy and it starts right here is Micah Parsons. Now, we're all familiar with Micah Parsons. He's probably top 2 top 3 edge rusher in the NFL. He won defensive rookie of the year. He's already a formidable threat, but I really feel like, you know, I I play this guy, I see this guy play two times a year against the New York Giants, and I swear to God, he looks like Lawrence Taylor. Like, he literally looks unblockable. Now, I'm sure not everybody, especially if you have an AFCM team you support, you don't see him as often, but I will tell you right now, Micah Parsons is the real deal when it comes to edge rushers in the National Football League. He's athletic. He's resilient. He has different pass rush moves. He has an onslaught of power and speed. And I think if, if, if the Cowboys' defense wants to go anywhere, and if the Cowboys want to go anywhere in the playoffs, it's going to be actually on the back of Micah Parsons. That's what I believe. And I think if we can see him put together uh, you know, a long playoff run and the Cowboys get to the NFC Championship, that'll st- start cementing what may in fact one day might be a hall of fame legacy, and I think it begins right here. Does that sound too crazy, Alex?
1: No, no, not at all. Michael Parsons is the real deal. Uh, you can look at him physically, you can look at him in through the eye test, and you can look at him on the stat sheet. He will pass exactly every one of those tests with flying colors, like my background. Um, he he is <laughs> <laughs> he he's he's phenomenal by every aspect. Michael Parsons, man. And, and, and also for this Cowboys team that, you know, have had playoff struggles, you know, somebody can make a statement game here and make a career-defining game. Micah Parsons, he's a big player. He comes up in big times. He could make a career-defining game. And a lot of the times when the eyes are on you in the playoffs, that's when you do see a lot of these career-defining games. And against against the relatively young Packers line, look for Micah Parsons to, you know, get, get a lot of penetration and get a lot of pressure in. Um, that's absolutely not a ridiculous thing to say at all. He he will go ham no matter who's who he's against. He's he's embarrassed crazy tackles and he'll embarrass, you know, tackles who who are relatively new. So, you know, you could you could put that man against, you know you could you could triple team him and he'd still get in the backfield. I mean Michael Parsons he's legit. Look at it. look out after him. Mm-hmm.
0: All right. And Alex, who is your last player that we should watch for this wildcard weekend? Or is that, wait, are we done with that? Is that, yeah, is that we're four? Done. My bad, my that's bad. Story. That's, that's, that's yeah. our four done, right? Okay. Okay. Well, now sorry we guys, we're a little bit raven thrown raven off. Talk. We had some technical difficulties, but yep. moving on to the last topic. Yep. Now, this is going to be our best topic of the day. I do believe not a lot of people are talking about this. And I think Alex and I are going to bring up an interesting point just for some food of thought. Now, let me set the stage for you. Lamar Jackson and the Ravens have been, you know, widely widely recognized as the best football team um, in the world right now. They're clearly head and shoulders above every other playoff team in the bracket right now. Now, they dominated the AFC. They dominated the NFC, And they've beaten what most people believe to be is the second best team in football, the San Francisco 49ers, by a large margin of victory. They look like they're the best team and there's no competition right now. They have the best quarterback in the league. A lot of people say, you know, MVP Lamar Jackson. But Alex, and I want to put the brakes on this for just, just for just for a minute here. Just listen, just hear us out. A lot of people are projecting them to win the Super Bowl, but we we don't we don't see it that way necessarily. I I I think that you know, I'll go out here and say make a bold claim right now. I will say that Regular season Lamar Jackson and playoff Lamar Jackson are not the same player, not one bit. You know, as much as we want to believe in this Lamar Jackson that we're seeing now, this is the exact same way we felt going into his MVP campaign where they were, the, where they were also the one seed and they played the Tennessee Titans in the divisional round and they lost and Lamar Jackson did not have a good game. Now, this is a better Ravens team and this is a more advanced, you know, passing version of Lamar Jackson and a much more disciplined runner at that too. He's an even better player than when he won MVP for the first time. However, I do just want to put some hesitation on the, and raise and raise to everybody's, you know, make sure everybody's, make sure everybody's aware that I I think Lamar Jackson in the playoffs is just not the same player as and defenses, figure out how to stop him. Is that crazy to say, Alex, what do you, what do you think?
1: No, it's not crazy. Listen, Football is a game of history. It's it's good to put things in context, and we have seen the story unfold before with the Ravens and Lamar Jackson. We're not necessarily saying it's going to happen again, but we're not saying it's not going to happen again. And it's important to look at this in context. So Lamar Jackson had a run. Um, he, 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 he had a run with the Ravens in the playoffs where he was projected to be or, or where the Ravens were projected to win the Super Bowl that year, they were statistically the most likely. I believe this was the year that the, the um, this was the year that the Chiefs beat. Uh, it was the twenty twenty one or the twenty twenty one year that might have been the Rams or the Chiefs year. But regardless, they 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 got into a rough game with the Tennessee Titans, and then next they played the next they played the Buffalo Bills where they only scored 3 points and Lamar had 0 touchdowns and 1 interception. You see a lot of underperformances once he gets to the playoffs. You can look at his rookie season although we're not going to fault him for that that much where he played the Chargers and the Chargers ran a weird scheme against him where they had five linebackers and they seemed to shut him down. Although he was a rookie, we've seen it before or we've seen it before in other cases and we have multiple cases to pinpoint and look at Lamar Jackson's lack of success in the playoffs, and this Ravens team as a whole. This this is a new generation of the Ravens, and they need deep playoff success. I think this is a Super Bowl or bust season where, you know, you can probably get away with losing the Super Bowl, but if you do not make it to the Super Bowl this year with as talented of a team and as well-performing of a regular season team you are, this this is very questionable. And due to the history of the Baltimore Ravens, you, know, you might have to sound the alarms. and might have to keep your eyes peeled because we've seen this story unfold before.
0: Mm-hmm. Now, I want to raise something to everybody's attention right here. I think, as I said before, regular season and postseason, Lamar are very different players. One reason why I think that is is that when he plays NFC teams in the regular season, they're simply not ready for him because they are not familiar with him. They are not ready to play You know, a quarterback with those, you know, with those characteristics, with those abilities. And that matches up with his record against the NFC in his career. He is 20 and 3 against NFC teams in the regular season, while against the AFC, for example, teams in his division, such as the Bengals or Steelers, where we've seen Lamar play his worst, arguably, and also in the playoffs where teams are more used to seeing him because they see him more regularly than the AFC, he is 42 and 21, an exact 500. Now, that, isn't, that doesn't go to say that you know Lamar isn't a great player still because a 500 record is not bad at all. But all I'm saying is that once it gets to the playoffs, the margin for victory is a lot smaller. And you're playing against teams that are in your own conference, which these stats reflect that Lamar Jackson is not as effective against the AFC for teams that are more used to seeing him. And I think there can be a formula to stop him. Now, again, this was this is you know we're reflecting a lot on this titans game which is when lamar pretty much had no elite wide receivers and this year he has a flowers a great rookie route receiver and a good number number two receiver in odo beckham jr and he also has a formidable tight end in isaiah likely so i will say this is a lot better you know he does have actual formidable passing options now and i think they'll be able to get out of this hole but then again the stats do not lie sometimes and i think we're going to we're going to see either the ravens come out slow or see the ravens lose but we'll have to see because i am still rooting for them and obviously on paper they are still the best team in the nfl but all alex and i are saying is that anything can happen expect craziness it's wild card weekend yep yep and on
1: paper if you look at it this, this is a healthier defense than we've ever seen the Ravens defense going into any postseason. It seems like every single time we see the Ravens enter the postseason, you see like five, five, five of their starting uh, defensive players drop like flies. They've been relatively intact this season. So I'd say this is the most stable Ravens team and the best-looking Ravens team we've seen going into the playoffs. So if it does collapse, expect the outrage to be even worse than than the previous years and we have seen the outrage be pretty bad towards this team so you know this is the highest pressure and you know a lot of people's patience is getting thin with them so if 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 they if they find a way to halt all this momentum that they are riding from the regular season going into the playoffs this would be very bad in a bad direction for their franchise so it's it's probably super bowl or bust for this team
0: yeah, I agree. You know, with great performances comes great expectations. And with great expectations can oftentimes become pressure. Now, pressure can either create diamonds or it can create disasters. And right now, all, all again, all Alex and I are saying is, you know, we're not trying to we're not trying to, you know, create controversy. We're not trying to make a false narrative that isn't true just to create some buzz. But we're just simply saying that there are some flaws here with this Ravens team and perhaps with Lamar Jackson. Again, that's all we're saying, guys, just food for thought. But if you made it this far, thank you for supporting the podcast. Again, it has been an episode of technical difficulties. Alex has been experiencing. I think, unfortunately he actually just disconnected right now. Um, We've been experiencing some technical difficulties on the internet side. Uh, There's a rainstorm going through Charlottesville tonight where Alex lives, but we appreciate you guys sticking around throughout all of this, and I hope to see you on the other side of Wildcard Weekend for Season 3, Episode 3 next week. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in. This is Miles, signing off.